question the voices of res and I hear Plastics. Plastics is an SPE-sponsored podcast. Hey! We're in person. We're in person. We are in Charlotte, North Carolina at Antec 2022. Co-located with a bunch of other stuff. A whole bunch of other shows. MD&M M&M, Pack Expo, all those good ones. Great Um, event. Anyway, I'm Mercedes Landazzi. And I'm Lindsay Nebel. And with our powers combined, we are... Plastics, the voices of resin. That's us. <laughs> and we have a real live human with us. We do. We do. Do you want to introduce I'll him? go ahead and introduce him. <laughs> so um, this is Professor, prof- Dr. Professor, uh, however you prefer to be called, um, <laughs> Dr. Tim Oswald, um, Professor of Mechanical Engineering at University of Wisconsin-Madison, beautiful campus. Um, and he is also the um, co-director of their Palmer Engineering Center. So thank you so much for thank joining us for today. Us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we were really excited to get, you know, the opportunity to talk to you because we've heard a lot of recommendations. Um, I'm on the injection molding board with some people who have tossed around your name um, before all, all good things, never, never the bad <laughs> ones. Um, and so when you agreed to, you know, when you were actually here in person and agreed to do an episode, we were really excited. Um, and, and, you know, we, we don't interview a lot of professors, I would say. Um, we, we've dabbled, mm-hmm. but you've been you know, teaching at college um, for a long time and and university and university. And one of the things we kind of wanted to know is, you know, how have you seen the plastics industry specifically kind of evolve um, to meet students needs? Is the plastics industry evolving enough to meet students needs? What's kind of your take on that? Oh, that is a good, good question, right? <laughs> throwing them out because, there. yeah, uh, I personally think Plastics is underrepresented at the universities. Uh, there are a few programs. I mean, you know, that one in Pennsylvania, there is uh, uh, Massachusetts, uh, Lowell. Uh, we've had a plastics uh, program for years, but I think most, at least mechanical engineers, are not trained in plastics. And if you look at it, right, plastics have overcome metals by weight. Now, already many years, it was, 19, I think, 1967. I don't know if you've ever watched the movie, The Graduate. <laughs> um, so when uh, he says to Ben, you know, I have one mm-hmm. word, plastics. Well, that year, plastics passed metals by volume, oh, which is not a big deal, right? Because steel weighs seven times as much. Right. So Right. I was going to say, but passing it by weight. Yeah, but by weight, it's now, uh, they're about the same. It's, it's a little bit more with plastics. Um, yet most mechanical engineers don't know how to design things with plastics, even less process them because mm-hmm. they're complicated. They don't follow the rules as a mechanical engineers like to see like linear elasticity and making solid mechanics or Newtonian fluids. Well, it's none of that, right? Plastics <laughs> are none of that. So it makes it complicated. So, 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 so I think that's one of the reasons it's underrepresented. I mean, I deal with German universities and they're fewer than uh, than 50% of german uh, student mechanical engineering students take a course in plastics uh, here it's even less wow yeah. wow and uh, austria has some pretty good programs as well i believe we see we usually see um, some germans and austrians from academia uh, at antec mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah 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 and i think um, you know 
going to Penn State Barron's, obviously there's a big mechanical engineering program there too. And I remember um, a lot of the mechanical engineers used to, you know, tease me plastics. Oh, we're going to go into plastics. And <laughs> really? I would say, oh, all the time. Seriously? Like the, at, at Penn State Barron? Yeah. Like the mechanical engineers wow. thought they were like so much cooler than us. Um, but like a bunch of them are now, I would say out of the handful I know, like still to this day, probably at least a third of them are in the plastics industry now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to make fun of <laughs> the, the program, um, maybe they're just making fun of me. That's also a possibility. Um, and but they didn't have the training, even though that program is right there. There was nothing, nothing, you know, bridging that gap. And now you have all these people that saw it and maybe have like a very, you know, cursory idea that it's different, but still no training in it. And I think that's something, you know, um, it, it's hard. How do you, how do you meet that need? You know? Yeah. And it's so important. I, th- I mean, and I think that's probably no coincidence why you see some plastic parts fail mm-hmm. and they fail because the people designing them had no idea that, okay, plastics creep. They don't like some chemicals and other things like that. And, and in reality, those are not difficult things to teach, but you have to teach them. Right. Right. And when did, sorry. Did you- no, I was just going to say, I, I just saw, um, I was just watching a presentation where the failure was just um, not radiusing a corner and it was like it's stuff like that that is very easy to make sure it's in your design if you know to do it exactly right right so so how did uh university of wisconsin and, and specifically madison campus get on board with plastics what's the history of the polymer oh my gosh <laughs> yeah that's it that's it that's a really interesting uh, story so in 1938 um one of our students uh ron daggett uh, graduated uh from uh, with a master's, he had finished his uh, his bachelor's in 1936, and he went on. He married his wife Dorothy, and so they went off to work in the industry. <laughs> his first job was with RCA, and he made a transition <clears throat> from uh, phenolic records uh, to vinyl records. Hmm, and so cool. he's kind of like the vinyl guy. <laughs> and uh, and then during the war, he got a job uh, with a, a conglomerate that was Ford, Boeing, and uh, Mac, uh, McDonnell Douglas <clears throat> to make panels for aircraft because they had run out of uh, aluminum and they had this new material fiberglass, right? And so he was making flat panels and putting those in aircraft uh, instead of aluminum panels. And so he, his biggest issue was warpage, uh-huh. which is, I always tell my students, you know, warpage is what's going to kill you, right? Warpage <laughs> is always the problem. And it was then, and it's, was, it's now. <clears throat> so after the war, they wanted to return to Madison. Mm-hmm. And so in 1946, he got a position uh, teaching drafting. And he told the chair at the time, uh, he said, he said, look, I'm, uh, I want to also teach a course in plastics. I think mechanical engineers should learn plastics well he was he had no colleagues to speak to he had no books no textbooks it was the first course in plastics in an engineering program Uh, unbeknownst to him that same year 1946 uh, another professor started but in the department of chemistry and that was professor john ferry and so we know the time temperature superposition principle the wlf equation uh, that's F is Ferry, Williams, Landall Ferry, and he started working on stress relaxation. 
And so, all, and, uh, so uh, Perry's uh, work in the stress relaxation was it reached like the climax in 1955 when he published a famous WLF mm-hmm. paper, which is really the beginning of polymer physics. At the same time, Daggett was now teaching in 1955. He was nine years teaching a course plastics and plastics processes. And uh, he did know that there were some weird things that happened to polymer, especially all these new thermoplastics that were developed during the war. They had the, you applied a stress to them and they would flow, they would creep. And so they had a, a funny behavior. He didn't know how to explain it, but he was a mold maker. He was a practical plastics engineer. And he had nothing in common with a polymer physicist in the chemistry department. So then it was, but somewhere between that time, 1953, Bob Bird arrived in Wisconsin in chemical engineering, and he decided to create the field of transport phenomena, which is modeling and flow behavior and rheology and all this and that. And Bob Bird kind of created the bridge between the mold maker and the polymer physicist. And that's sort of how Wisconsin then became part of the map in rheology. So we had the Rheology Research Center. Bob Bird published a book, uh, Dynamic of Polymeric Liquids, which is like really the quintessential viscoelasticity book. Uh, John Ferry wrote the book, uh, Linear Viscoelasticity. And so, and Wisconsin then became kind of a center for polymer and polymer behavior, polymer processing, but just by people, right? People is really what does the whole thing. I had... No idea about any of that story. And that is so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to go to Wisconsin. So when really? I, yeah. When I arrived, Ron Daggett was still alive, but he had been retired. Mm-hmm. Bob Bird was in his last year of teaching. John Ferry was still alive. He, he died when he was in his 90s. And I knew all of them. Well, and so I'm really a frustrated historian. Really, I'm not a polymer <laughs> yeah. engineer. I'm a historian <laughs> or a history of science is my hobby, one of my hobbies. And so I did have a chance to chat to all of them and sort of understand what, how the field kind of developed in that area. I yeah. think that's wow. so cool because one of the best classes I ever took in college outside of plastics, because those were all just A+, plus, <laughs> um, was a class in music theory where the professor was kind of annoying, but he um, he took composers and put them into like their historical perspective, which I had never, I used to, you know, very into music, but like I had never had a class like that. And I feel like this is kind of that same thing. It's like, here's all your formulas. Do you know where they came from? Like hearing all that, that's, uh, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. And I am probably going to think about that a lot. (laughs) Uh uh Also, also interesting to hear about the transition from phenolic to vinyl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense for that time period. Well, and I think I think just seeing that tie-in of people is something we kind of talk about, you know, with SPE and like it's the actually getting together and meeting people and like making those personal connections, and that's what drives a lot of change. And just sitting behind your computer or doing your work, you don't necessarily think that's the way it works, but that's I mean that's. Mm-hmm proof right there yeah. right, right. <laughs> and and honestly traditionally i mean we're, we're here at antec 2022 i mean i you know making a plug for that i think it's just such a great event because you have all these different um technical divisions and right. you can you know wander into to you know color and appearance session or recycling session or right. injection molding and, mold and making, step outside you know? yourself a little bit right mm-hmm. and learn so much more and 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 cross pollinate your knowledge base right <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, the antic is perfect for all. I mean, that's where you meet everybody. I remember meeting my first time uh, Professor Tadmore here in the, you know, the polymer processing Tadmore. He was here at the antic and then KK Wang, who became, made the program C-Mold and uh, Colin Austin. I met him here from MoldFlow and uh, the people from MoldX, I mean, the simulate, all the simulation people, right? I mean, you kind of meet him here. And, and then the industry people that apply, Joe Dooley from Dow was here. I remember having conversations. It's like a place to meet where everybody goes. I've been coming here since I was a graduate student. I mean, my first one was in Washington, 1985. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So it's fond memories from Antex. Yeah. And you have, uh, I mean, pro probably that's part of it, right? Well, you brought three of your graduate students with you. Yeah. This and, and this year is, is actually few. Mm -hmm. uh, typically, uh, we between Tom Turing and I, my, my colleague, the other co-director, and we bring maybe 10 to 15 graduate students. This this year we only brought three, so but normally we bring more. And this year it was just we weren't prepared. We didn't know if we would come. And right. Then and they didn't have any papers <laughs> and so but but then uh, I decided to bring three of them. Yeah. Well done. Well yeah. done, sir. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Well, and like you know, you said you've been coming to Antac for a long time. Um that kind of, have you seen a lot of trends that have, what's a trend you've seen in like the educational part of the plastics industry, either good or bad? Yeah, I think, I, mean, bad. I think <laughs> the, the, the nice thing of Antec, right? I mean, it's an industry uh, thing. I mean, so mm -hmm. it's practical. So that one of the good things is it helps us as academics to keep our feet on the ground. You know, mm -hmm. so if I'm going to do something if it's too far off and it's not useful and maybe fun to work on, <laughs> right. but it, nobody's going to use it, right? I mean, people tell you that here, right. right? And so it helps us also. And look, we're in engineering, right? I mean, I'm an engineering professor. I'm not a physics physics professor, right. or or so. And so it helps me helps me get ideas. And when people then having conversations today, we talk to the guys from Dow. What are their needs, right? Where's where's the industry going? What do they want to know about? What where, where does Dow want some problem solved? Machine learning, or is it mm -hmm. artificial intelligence, or is it materials or material behavior, or whatever it is? So you kind of get get guidance. Uh, look, in our resources, just mm -hmm. because that we have, I mean, our, our asset is having the young people, right, right, that are willing to do the thinking for us. I always tell my grad students, you know, and which is true. I mean, they, they actually are the ones who do all the work. And then I go and take the credit for everything. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are like doing, you guys are like the trendsetters in the industry based off of problems, really, is what it comes down to. And, and some things, yeah. I mean, I think, for example, um, I remember in the 1980s, uh, the big thing was, okay, how are we going to be able to do mold filling simulation? Mm -hmm. So there were two graduate students, uh, one was doing project in compression molding. That was me. I was working with Chuck Tucker from Illinois. And then there was B.W. Wang, who was at Cornell working with K.K. Wang, uh, who then they started the company called C-Mold, mm -hmm. <coughs> which, which was really the, the first kind of uh, simulation that used the control volume approach to simulate. So, that, so you, could, you could trace mold filling simulation what today is with mold flow or mold x3d you could basically trace it back to its beginnings here in the and the antic to the beginning of the 80s wow. yeah so you can actually look at the antic and, and and follow look at the literature uh 
in a lot of the papers from Antic, of course, end up being part of the journals, right? Which is also the beautiful thing, right? So a yeah. good paper, you get invited then to, to, to uh, publish it in uh, polymer composites or to publish in polymer engineering and science. And so those are the archival journals that are easier later to find, right? But Antic, I mean, this it's searchable. I mean, if you go into the SPE. I think that's a hugely It's a huge resource. It's, it's something benefit. that has... You want to find what was done in the plastics, <laughs> a polymer, or rheology, applied rheology, a failure analysis. Uh, you will find it in the proceedings of Antic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's not appreciated by many people, but I think eventually people yeah. do know that, right? And industry people know that. But Antic, they will. I, I think it it seems so. I guess abstract, at least to like someone like you know, just an in industry. You, I obviously used the journal resources as a student. Um, but, you know, in industry, I think sometimes I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. And, <laughs> and then like, you actually kind of like hit a problem and you're like, man, I wish there was some sort of like information on this. And it's like, yeah, there right. actually is. Yeah, there's there is. so much great information. I use it now all the time. <laughs> right. Like you have to like direct your mind and be like, Oh duh, there's, mm -hmm. there's a, Giant library, huge, yeah. huge, huge resource. Huge, yeah. I mean, there are hundreds of very smart people who have written papers and who have right. presented them, and and they're there, and they were, and they're all vetted. I mean, it's not easy to at Ante. I mean, you get reviews, and right. they say you need to change this and that, and so, and it's a it's a semi review. I mean, it's reviewed, <laughs> right? I mean, it's right. not a, a rigorously reviewed like journals, but uh, but it is. I mean, it's it's vetted. <laughs> so something that you'd said, uh, you know, if, if, if uh, a concept or a project is too far off, people from industry will, will tell you about it here at Antec. What, um, but what's something that you wish you could dedicate a whole year of teaching to? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> if I had to teach a whole year uh, on something, uh, I would teach it on the history of plastics. I would totally take yeah. it. I would take it. Yeah. I would take and, it. I, and I actually, and I do, so I teach a class. So this famous course that was taught for the first time in 1946, Plastics mm -hmm. and Plastics Processes. Why fix something that is not broken, right? Well, I did change it a little bit. Um, so when I arrived in 89, I inherited that course that was <laughs> ME417, Plastics and Plastics Processes. And I said, well, we only teach processing there. So I changed the name of the course to Introduction to Polymer Processing. Hmm. And I started a new course, ME418, which is engineering design with polymers, which was the plastics portion. And in that engineering design with polymers, ME418, I start out with lectures on history. So I think the first maybe uh, eight to 12 lectures are all history. I love that. Yeah, Very yeah, cool. Yeah. Actually, a little history of this podcast, the first ever episode episodes that we recorded which oh. were kind of i think on the cutting ended up on the cutting room floor very much I, cut. <laughs> I, yeah but we it was about um we were originally going to go about history yeah through the history and we actually ended up interviewing um that's it came back yeah <laughs> we were talking about <laughs> phenolics um, and, yeah bakeland's great great grandson great grandson, grandson. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, well, we saw his movie at the at the TopCon in Madison too, and I had seen it before because I've also presented at the plastics history um, okay. uh, conferences. So there's this group of plastic historian plastorians, and uh, and so I, how can we how can we find we them? Do they have a, do they have a, there's club, a, a journal? There's a, yeah, there's a journal. I think we meet every two years or so. And so there are talks about. And that, that, that's when that movie was showed for the first okay. time, and it was it was in Lisbon, maybe like it was before the pandemic. 
Well, we'd go to Lisbon. Yeah, yeah I could, I could, I could swing that. I, could I don't swing. know where the next. You just got your. Didn't you just get your passport <laughs> updated oh. or something? Oh no, Danny's. Oh, Danny's. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> totally different. <laughs> um, so you teach. You, as you're saying, like kind of a lot of like mm-hmm. plastics processing and, um, you know, trying to get that information out to mechanical engineers. I feel like my experience in a lot of like smaller custom mold shops have been put the mold in, run it. We'll worry about, <coughs> you know, the, the process of processing mm-hmm. later. Do you have any good stories about that, like backfiring on anyone or any like really failed parts because someone just said, eh, I'll run it. It'll be fine. <laughs> well, that's how it, how it used to be. Right. And today, I mean, you do have simulation, right? You can simulate it and predict some things. But yeah, that's going to be the problem that Ron Daggett had in, in the <laughs> 1940s of warpage. Right. So I have one example. I won't name companies or anything. <laughs> right. But they were making the back box of a pickup truck. Ooh by compression molding, it weighed 60 plus pounds. And, and uh, so the walls of the pickup truck are straight up like this, right? And you, you put the lid up in the back, but then there's a corner right here. So it's, it's, it's a U, right? A pickup mm-hmm. box is a U. And then uh, when they took it out of the mold, the walls did this. <laughs> they fill in uh, four millimeters so the lid would no longer close right. and you could see the gap opening at four millimeters is a lot right. and there's something called spring forward effect mm-hmm. simulations can predict that that's in there it's it's a, a, a curvature induced uh, um, or an isotropy induced curvature change so spring forward effect in the metals you have spring backward effect when you mold it like this is spring backward and with polymers it springs forward well, they had to actually redo the mold and, and, and redoing a mold in compression molding is millions, right? Uh, the mold itself is, 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 a, is three, four million dollars. And to fix it, uh, there was no way to fix it. There was, um, you could put in uh, different he- uh, heaters because in compression molding, you heat the material, you could int- introduce thermal in- imbalances to make it warp the wrong way, but you can't control that. That's too difficult. Right. So basically they had to eventually have, them have a mold that was like this, so when they spring forward, we'll send it to, this, to the vertical position. That's probably one of the funnest cases. <laughs> um, I, I do have some experience with some Kentucky windage. Uh, back in my days, we were molding the, um, the radiator end tanks for heavy machinery. So I do have some, mm-hmm. some windage <laughs> experience, but uh, never anything the size of a pickup truck bed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know we're we're running short on time, but you are also involved not just in SPE, but also in the Polymer Processing the Polymer Processing Society. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I actually went to the first PPS uh, meeting, which was in Akron. I think it was like in 1985 <laughs> or 80 something. Anyways, and then I went to the second. The second was in Montreal. Um, uh, Jim White was one of the starters, right? I'm sure he was, he was, he was a, a regular, regular here at the, at the Antec. Uh, also, uh, Musa Kamal from the Kamal Surumal. Musa Kamal just died last year. All these old people are dying, right? Huh? That's, that's what happens. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so that wasn't your question. But, 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 right, like, who is like, dead in the industry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, who died? Or a lot of them. So, so anyways, but yeah, the PPS is a, it's a smaller organization, it's more academics, people more into the rheology, more in the off far left field mm-hmm. areas. So it has a place. It's more, it's, it's not as practically oriented as, uh, as, as Antec or as SPE, 
uh, is a lot more professors, although they are researchers from industry. Um, and uh, we have conferences. Once a year, there is the international one for everybody. And then there's also uh, Europe, Africa, the Americas, and Asia. So there's quite a few uh, conferences. So I'm, I'm, so I'm a member of both. I'm actually the treasurer of the, I don't know why I'm the treasurer because I don't know how to deal with money. <laughs> well, I'm that's, always overdrawn, that's right? That's, that's probably why, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's the great thing. I was actually talking with John Ratzoff about it this morning. You know, great thing about being a volunteer in a society like this, you can make all your mistakes there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Who's going to fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so there is, and one of the things, and so, so there's a relation between mm -hmm. them, right? Um, because a lot of, for example, Ika Manas is here. So she's, I'm going to go for dinner with her tonight. So she's, she's a professor at Case Western. Ika okay. Manas, the mixing guru. Um, uh, and so, so uh, and she would be a great person to interview. She's uh, amazing. So anyway, so, so uh, we are organizing the, uh, both um, uh, having, having an Antec and uh, PPS meeting in um, in Cartagena, Colombia, in uh, in 2024. So see you there. Oh, very good. <laughs> yes. I'm sure Jaime Gomez will be there as well. Yeah, he will be. He will. We <laughs> talked about it last night. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's. I think that's so I know awesome. the, Yeah, I think we're short on time because I know you have. No, a, and that's something else. That was it. Was just vibrating. I'm <laughs> oh, kind of okay. totally ADD. If I had been born today, I'd be filled with Ritalin, and I don't know what all this stuff, right? Because I'm totally distracted. You know. Oh, me but too. I, to, I have I to write to, everything That's why down. I'm happy that dead cats are not here on the table. I'm totally looking at them the whole time. For anyone, anyone listening at home or watching, we had um, two mics that had dead cat uh, cover. Or, uh, like it is apparently fuzzy. an industry name for yeah. that microphone. Yeah. A, pop, a pop <laughs> screen, yeah. For you like not think it's going to jump out of my ship. Well, I mean, I wish we had all day with you, um, especially the historian stuff. Like, I yes, I live for that. Um, so we definitely should have another conversation. So we can at talk about point. history at one point. We can pick. Pick a topic and oh my gosh, I there's a lot that. of good history yeah. oh in, in God, Akron it's, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you so much for being here in our first live interview in forever. Yeah, forever. Thank That's you so much. Oh, thanks for inviting me. This is fun. Yeah, and I follow you guys on Instagram. <laughs> and so a little piece of I'm sure you have a Twitter at Plastics. Or, oh yeah, we do. Yeah. Of course. Well, I'm I'm the at Plastics Prof. Okay, oh, cool. So we're kind of related. We're almost cousins, I we, think. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That, makes us, that makes us cousins. When you write the history book, put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, well, thank you. All right. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much, Professor. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Plastics. New episodes appear on the first Friday of every month. So either follow or subscribe to get those new episodes ASAP. Plastics, the Voices of Resin, is a plastics podcast sponsored by SPE, Inspiring Plastics Professionals. If you want to find out more about SPE, please visit for, like the number, spe.org. Oh, plastics. <laughs>